Charlotte, North Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. After, after coming out of the anatomy, you know, the Lord let us to go and to start talking about deliverance. And, and, and you know, simply put, when, when you look at the definition for deliverance, Webster's defined uh, deliverance as the state of being saved from something dangerous or unpleasant. Webster's merely defines uh, deliverance as the state of being saved from something, hence the term saved from something dangerous or unpleasant. Uh, and as we talked about the anatomy of bondage, we understood, you know, uh, in being bound by de- different demonic forces and things of that nature. So uh, the thing is, when we experience deliverance, God is actually saving us from something dangerous, that being demonic, from demonic, uh, whether it be oppression, demonic suppression, or demonic possession, saving us from this dangerous spiritual entity, you know. Uh, and, and not to mention, these demonic forces are very unpleasant. You know, when you think about how they, they bring destruction and different things into our lives, it's very unpleasant to have our lives uh, overran, overshot, and destroyed by demonic uh, spirits and things of that nature right there. So, as we move into deliverance, today we're talking about the right mind. We're talking about the right mind. And so, upon moving into this particular sermon series, we've been talking about... Um, what it is to have a delivered mindset, if you haven't understood. I know that the sermon series has been deliverance, but what we've been talking about is how God wants to deliver the mindset. Um, and we initially begin this series as we talked about in Matthew chapter number 4, how Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted of the enemy. And so there was a mindset that Christ had to operate in. And we understand uh, the Scriptures uh, kind of give us an understanding into the mind that Christ had. He had a mind that was uh, self sacrifice and a mindset that was selfless, a mindset that wanted to obey God, a mindset that was set and determined to give God the glory in all that he did. So everything that he did, you can notice that Christ was always pointing back. He was always giving the glory back to the Father. So we're talking about having the right mindset, having the right mindset. And so in in order for us to do this, for most of us, we need our mindset to actually be delivered. Uh, Because the dangerous thing for most of us, it is your mindset. And, and we talked about how uh, uh, the mind, you know, and the brain are two separate things. Your brain makes up that physical part of the anatomy, but your mind is that spiritual place inside your physical brain. And so if we can get the mind right, uh, the psychologist and the psychiatrist, if you get the mind right, then the body is going to automatically follow. So if you get the mind right, then your body will not have any issues following where your mind is at. So think about it. We can think about it. We can look at it this way. Wherever, wherever or whatever your mind is actually focused on, that's what your body may be entertaining. Now, you may not be physically indulging in different things, you understand? Uh, but, you know, your, your heart may be taking part in certain things. Your thought process may be, you know what I'm saying, a direct reflection of what your mind has been set upon. And then when you take it a step further, go a little bit deeper, we understand that's when the body tends to carry out what the mind has been engaged in. So we have to have a right mind. 
And so we come into the book of Romans, uh, which is considered to be Paul's gospel, where Paul is talking about salvation for the Gentiles and for the Jews. Right? So we understand Romans is Paul, where he's, he's breaking down what salvation is, how we've been freed from the law, justified by faith, you know, made righteous by our ability to have faith in God. And so in and of these different things, you know, he's writing to this church at Rome to understand the plan of salvation. And as you move throughout the different chapters, there are various things that Paul talks about. Last week we talked about it, uh, uh, chapter number 7. So he was talking about this law of sin and death that abides in the members. Right? But how Christ, because of the finished work he did upon the cross, he is now given an opportunity to live according to the law of the Spirit. So there are different laws. Paul, the one who... Uh, arguably talks about how we're no longer under the law, but yet he writes about these different laws. Uh, uh, in particular, the law of the Spirit, living according to the law of the Spirit. We are alive according to the law of the Spirit. Amen. Living according to the Spirit, uh, uh, following the instruction of the Spirit, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we find ourselves here in chapter number 12 where he's talking about the righteousness, you know, this righteousness of God where we're supposed to now actually be walking this out. It, the righteousness of God, we, see, we should see the application of the righteousness of God on demonstration in our life. And again, we're made righteous by our ability to trust God, our faith in God. So in other words, your faith should be on display. And if your faith is not on display, your faith is not bringing you to a right standing with God. Because to be uh, uh, walking in the righteousness of God is to be in right standing with God. So our faith should bring us into right standing with God. Our ability to trust God, our ability to believe God, to take Him at His word. And it becomes very, very difficult for most of us to take God at His word because some of the things that God speaks, this does not really understand it. Or this has His own interpretation of what we believe God was actually saying. I have since learned, you know, uh, it hasn't been that very long, but God has taught me about engaging His Word. Because uh, when you understand God, the way God speaks, God speaks in layers, you know. Uh, it, it can be the most simplest thing that God is speaking, but it can be also the most profound thing. Hence, I told you how God told me, you know, you're disciplined when you're consistent, and you're consistent when you're disciplined. Something very simple, but it was so profound to me. And then think about it, uh, as, as, as time went on, that was some years ago that God spoke that to me. And as, as time kind of kept rolling on, then God began to tell me, okay, uh, discipline is the absent thing from your life that's causing you to have or not causing you to have everything that I've spoken about. So you see how he added a layer about discipline onto something else regarding. So understanding how God speaks, God speaks in layers. And if we fail to engage what God is saying, then we can easily misinterpret what God was actually saying. So how many know it's not because God lied to us. It's because we might have misinterpreted what God has said. Simply because we failed to engage, meaning we failed to pray and talk to God about what does this mean. It's just like if, my, if I give my children an instruction and they don't completely understand, they should know by this age, listen, so dad, is this what you're telling me to do? Is this what you're asking me to do? In other words, they should get clarity about what it is that I'm instructing them to do. Now, if they leave my presence after I gave them instruction and, and, and left with what they perceive to be what I said, and if they fail to accomplish what I instructed them, how many of them that's not on me, that's on them? 
because you've been taught, you've been being trained to make sure you get clarity about the instruction that is given to you so that way you can go and fulfill this desired instruction that has been given. So it's not that God spoke inaccurately or God spoke something wrong. It's our failure to go and engage God and get a good understanding of what it is that God is saying. And a lot of that has to do with the mind. The mind. So we hear in, in Paul's gospel, the book of Romans, and Paul starts off by saying, I beseech you therefore, brother. Remember, he's talking to the church. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, we can look at this one or two ways. We can look at this as Paul speaking to the congregation. A number of people. He's saying, I, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Or we can look at you, the individual. You know, last, last uh, 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 celebration, God gave me a revelation about this because I had to teach you on worship. And God gave me a revelation about this. And, and think about it. Let's take it a step further. When you look at bodies, plural, understand. How many know we are tripod beings? Uh, meaning uh, you consist of flesh, a physical body. You consist of a soul. And you consist of a spirit. So... To speak to the congregation is one thing, but when God desires to speak to you, the individual. Because God, this is the thing, most of us, we, we, we have tackled the issue of presenting this physical body. I know how to bring this physical body to God. Right. Right? Meaning, I know how to come to church. I know how to participate in praise. I even know how to lift my hands in the worship. I know how to open my mouth and give God praise. I know how to open my mouth and give God worship. All these different things. But for most of us, we have not given God our soulish body, which consists of your mind, your heart, and your will. It doesn't take anything to give him my physical body. I just got to get up and come. But how do I stop my mind from racing while I'm doing this? How do I make him be more important than every other thing that I'm faced or challenged with in life? I often hear them in church talk about God is so great. I believe that he's great, but how do I let that greatness come real to me? How do I make it that real for me, how others have seemed to make it that real for them? You know, in, in, in moments like that, you can easily think that something is wrong with you because I don't get it the way they get it. Which comes back to what? The mind. So the thing is, it's, it's not a problem with presenting my physical body to God. That's the easy part. Unless you have physical challenges in your body. And whether it be your body's racked with pain, you know how the old school say it, your body's racking with pain. Unless your body's racking with pain and you feel challenged in your body, you're like, oh God, I don't know if I can do it today. I want to. Ooh, but... This, this baby toe of mine is just, mm, I, I can't put a shoe on it today. And I, I can't be in church looking funny, God, with one shoe on and a little, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, and have on a little soft sandal, <laughs> a little soft Velcro sandal. I, 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 uh, you know. See, that would, that's how I would be thinking. God, I can't, I can't go looking any kind of way now. Now, I love you, yes, I do, but God, I can't go looking any kind of way. 
So unless you have physical challenges in your body, then it becomes difficult for you to even present your physical body. So when it's not your mind, and for most of us, it becomes our heart. Our heart. And again, understand mind and heart can be used interchangeably in the scriptures we found out. The place where decisions are made. Think about it. What is your heart? What truly has your heart's attention? For most of us, uh, it, it's God when I'm in the midst of other church people. And then, there I say, I could be in the midst of the church people and something else still has my attention. You know how you could be in church and the children can be bothering you, you trying to listen. The children could be acting up a little bit. You, shh, shh, you don't want to pinch them. <laughs> You'd be trying your hardest not to pinch them. But it does come a point in service where you might have to just, eh, you know. And then if you like my mama, you know what I mean, just pinching is not good enough. You got to pinch and twist. Pinch and twist. You know, that, that pinching just, I shake that off. That mama, that, the pinch? Oh, okay, so you graduated from the pinch. Now we're going to pinch and twist. Oh. You know, it's something when they pinch and twist and hold, though. And you looking like. You know, and the preacher's up preaching, and he's thinking, I'm doing a good job up here. I got the young, the little boy. You can look at his face, and he's, he's just, he's moved by what he's saying, and then, and then the preacher goes a little bit harder. <laughs> no, preacher, man, she's twisting and holding, and she hasn't let go yet. It's just like, and you're trying to figure out, should I cry at 13? <laughs> Should I cry at 13 knowing that there are other teenagers in here and they're going to be asking me, like, what was wrong with you? Like, it's, it's already suspect that I'm 13 and my mama got me sitting, like, right next to her. Like, that's already suspect in and of itself, you know? So it's going to be something when I get outside because, you know, after service, all the teenagers, they huddle and they talk, right? And they're going to be like, man, what was wrong with you? Like, like, what, what, like. So situations like that, 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 that can have your heart messed up. I know as a teenager, I'm not thinking about nothing the preacher's talking about. All I'm thinking about how my mama just, just, just embarrassed me. I'm not even thinking about I'm the cause of it, though. I'm the reason why she had to reach out and touch me. I'm just looking at myself. I'm just focused on myself and how she's embarrassed me. She held it for like three good minutes. Just a strong pinch and twist. Just a good, strong pinch and twist. No, I'm not making it up. Anybody know them church? Listen, they, they, got a good, they got a good, strong grip. Just hold it for a good three minutes. And you're looking like, and what makes it much more embarrassing is they still got their praise. That's amen, pastor. And you looking like, what in the vibe? <laughs> you know, it can mess with your mind. So the question is, as we come back full circle, is what has your heart's attention? Because it can be very difficult to give God that soulless body of yours. Because uh, that's talking about your mind and that's talking about your heart. But then what do we talk about when it comes to your will? Those actions of yours. God doesn't necessarily have the actions. 
Now, for me, he can have my actions. What I struggle with is my thoughts. Because actions can pretty much be seen by everybody. But it's my thoughts, those unseen things, those unspoken things that I'm wrestling with. Because you could be in the presence of God and have some crazy thoughts. Do you understand what I'm saying? You could be in the presence of God. I'm talking about worship could be high. Worship, I didn't say praise. Worship could be high. Everybody lifting up hands. And it's one thing when we all do it as a body. Everybody's lifting up hands. And you got some people, they're crying. If you like me, I'm probably bent over just, <laughs> you know, doing something like that. You can come right up out of worship and see something. And you're trying to shake the image out your head. The devil is alive. Uh, so I'm just being honest. Sometimes when I'm standing right there and I'm doing all of this, and sometimes I'll turn to the side because I, I might have seen something. And I'm like, oh, I got to get this out of my head. Oh, the devil is alive. And I have to go harder with my praise. Like, ah, Jesus. <laughs> I'm trying to get my praise louder than the image that is talking to me in my head. So nobody wants to be real when your thoughts, when your thoughts talk back to you or when your thoughts argue with you in your mind. It's, it's not so much when I'm struggling with whether or not God's Word is true that someone else has made me doubt it. It's the thoughts that I argue with about God's Word. It's, it's, it's my mind that tells me because my mind has been there from day one, my mind is a part of my life. My mind has witnessed how I live before God. And so my mind argues with me. Why should God do this? Oh, Y'all don't want to talk for real. Because we're talking about having the right mind. So he's saying present your bodies. It becomes easy for most of us to present your physical body. But most of us struggle presenting our soulish body. And then there is your spiritual body. Your spiritual spirit man, spirit man, where you worship God in spirit and then truth, or you worship God in spirit and then truth. And getting in the spirit for most of us is not a difficult thing. It is the truth part. Worshiping God in the truth. You believe what you believe about God or you know what you know about God. That is truth. The difficult part is us grasping the truth about us. See, that's why sometimes even before I have to approach God, God, I'm nothing. More than filthy rags at your feet. That's all I am, God. Because I'm reminding myself of who I am before this great holy God. Yes, I'm a son of his. But unless he did what he did, who am I? I don't know what works for you. It works for me. Because I know if I, if I don't see myself as filthy, then I'm going to see myself as, I don't need God. 
But that's why you hear me verbalize in a loud manner, I'm nothing without you. I can't make it without you. And last, I need you, God. Yes, it's customary for me to tell God, God, I need you. God, if you don't help me, I can't think right. Oh, see, that's, that's too deep for y'all. If you don't help me, God, I can't even pray right. Yes, I got the Holy Ghost, all of that stuff. But if you don't help me, I can't pray right, God. If you don't help me, God, I can't even worship right, God. Then if we were to get deeper, God, if you don't help me, God, I sure can't love right. Now, now, look at all that stuff I'm saying I need help with, all those spiritual things I'm saying that I need help with. Then when you come back to the practicality of the Scripture, the loving part, God, I sure need help with this. Because if you like me, they're just, I'm not OCD. I've come to the conclusion that I'm not OCD. As much as y'all try to make me believe I am, I've come to the conclusion that I'm not. There were just some people who like things clean, and there were just some people who were just like, okay, well, I let you do what you do. Right? But I've come to the conclusion I'm not OCD. I just, I just, this just has to line up for me. It's just like, it's just, when it's not, it just, it's just. But I've come to the conclusion I'm not OCD. I just have a way that I like things. Simply put, I just have a way that I like things, right? Order, that's a good word, order. I like order in my life, and so whenever there is disorder or chaos, confusion, I don't rest well in that. My mind doesn't operate well in that. And I tell my I be like, I can take this for at max about three days, and then it, then it just starts weighing on me. And all of a sudden, I find myself so frustrated and I'll be fussing, and then the yeller in me comes out. <laughs> That's the word my children have described. You, Daddy, you yell all the time. Okay, so I'm a yeller. I think we all are yellers in the house then. I just leave. <laughs> but I've noticed, Massey, you yell. Stop, Shekinah. Shekinah, you yell. Stop, Rain. Rain, you yell. Stop, Denver. That's the dog. My wife yells. She kind of makes the air rain. You too, Lincoln. So we're just a house full of yellers. But I feel I yell with purpose. There's a reason why I yell. I don't just yell just to yell. Something is either not right and I yell, or they pretend that they have not heard me. I said, now this is what I cannot understand. If the kitchen is underneath my bedroom, and, and, and you're talking loud, I can hear you in my bedroom, you're in the kitchen, then my mind says, when I yell, you should hear me, because you're talking, but I'm yelling. Somebody help me understand that. How can I hear you with my TV on at times? I hear you talking as loud as you're talking. Then when I yell, meaning my octaves have gone higher than your tone of voice, but you don't hear me. 
you're right across the hall some days. And I yell. And you act like, uh, did he call me? So it becomes difficult to love when things like this happen. Because some days I feel they do this on purpose. They make me yell with a purpose. When I say on purpose, I know he's calling me to tell me to do something. He's only calling me to tell me to do something. And whatever it is that he wants me to do, I don't want to do it. The truth be told, let's go ahead and be real, I don't want to do it. So I'm going to take my time. I'm going to act like I didn't hear you call me the first five times. And then when you actually come to me, oh, oh, you, you call me? You know what? See, by the time I get to you, I'm so frustrated because I've had to scream and yell five times and then you want to act like you didn't hear me. You heard me the first time. Because logically, my mind tells me these walls are not that thick. You hear me. You hear me? So it makes it very difficult to love. But he's saying present your bodies a living sacrifice. And when you present in the Greek, he's talking about what? To bring into one's fellowship or intimacy. Bring your physical body, bring your soulish body, bring your spiritual body into fellowship or intimacy with God. It's hard to bring all of you into intimacy and fellowship with God. One, we understand I can't come any kind of way. God is not going to accept any kind of thing because he's holy. So for most of us, it is a struggle to present our bodies, right? Then it also talks about definition number two for present. Because you can also, when I look at the first definition, you can also look at that as being present. Being present. Most of us, we want God to come, but we don't want to be present with God. Because to be present with God is going to require something of me. It's going to be a requirement of me giving of myself. So, Definition number two, when it talks about to present, it also talks about to make something available to be used. So when I present my physical, soulish, spiritual body, I'm presenting it, I'm making them available to be used. By who? God. So Paul is begging, whether he's begging the individual or begging the congregation, make your body available to be used by God. As a witness, make your body available to be used by God. As a minister, however God decides to use you, make your body available to be used by God. You know, you sang this song, my storage is empty, and I am available. I'm available to you. We sing it whenever the sun comes on. We like it. My storage is empty. Mm, really? Is your storage really empty? When you think about all the stored memories you have, all the stored 
disappointments you have, all the stored doubts you have, all the stored worries you have, you know, all these different things that we have. Is your storage really empty? See, most of us cannot be used because guess what? There is no space for you to be used. And then, if there is space, most of us refuse, we refuse to make ourselves available to God. Do you understand making yourself available to God is to make yourself available to those that God has placed you under? Oh, we ain't going to get no help right there. Where am I going to get help from? I used to call my leader, man of God, is there anything you need? I knew every day he needed something. Y'all know I'm not, every day y'all know he needed something. So every day my leader heard from me. And the only way I did not come if he told me, no, son, stay where you are. To make yourself available, God, is to make yourself available to be used by God to other people. Not just your family. Because the truth be told, you're really not available to your family. If we really had to define how you view or you define help, other people in your house are in trouble. So if the people in your house are in trouble, then how much more are the people on the outside of your house, how much trouble are they in? If we, if we actually needed you for help. Because we've already made decisions on how we're going to help people. Monetarily. Whether it be of your time, your resources, your talents. We've already predetermined how we're going to help people. We've already predetermined who we're going to help. You said present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy. Right? When he's talking about holy, he's talking about pure. Pure from carnality. Pure and pure from carnality. Present your body as pure. Pure from carnality. Carnal ways, carnal thinking, carnal acting, carnal responding, carnal carnality. And then he says, not just holy, but acceptable unto God. And when you acceptable, it's talking about of a level of quality that meets one's needs and standards. Acceptable to God is according to his needs and his standards. So never let someone tell you God doesn't have a standard. He has a standard. And he's never changed his standard, not even for his son. He didn't change it. God has a standard. So when you present your bodies acceptable unto God, it's according to God's needs and it's according to God's standards. The question is, have you asked God, God, what do you need of me? See, that's not a prayer most of us pray. Now, we'll pray, God, blow my mind. Or God, do this for me. Or we'll pray, God, show me something today. 
I, I, I just, you don't even have to show me the whole picture. Say, I pray that. Just give me a glimpse, God. So I don't lose faith, so I don't lose hope, God. But how many prayers have you prayed, God? What if you have need of me? How do you need me today, God? What is the standard today, God? Question, does your love meet God's standard of love? Just his definition, his understanding of love. Does your love come subject to that? Does it line up with that? Holy, acceptable unto God. He said, which is your reasonable service? Reasonable according to the rules of logic. According to the rules of logic, he said, this is your reasonable story. According to the rules of logic, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, pure, pure from carnality, acceptable, according to the standards and needs of God, which is your reasonable service? Which is your service according to the rules of logic? In other words, what makes sense to you? This is your service. So when it comes to your understanding, that's why we're saying have the right mind. Now, we talked about mind on last week, and one of the definitions that we use for mind, and the Greek was talking about the capacity for spiritual truth. Having the capacity for spiritual truth or the higher powers of the soul, because the mind is a part of the soul. When you find people talking about the third eye, They're talking about the mental capacities of their mind, allowing their mind to become so focused on whatever the issue, the thing, the object is that you can begin to see, understand, perceive, know. Mind, capacity, having a capacity for spiritual truth, also the higher powers of the soul. But mind is also defined as the faculties of perceiving and understanding. Those of your feelings, your ability to judge things, and your ability for determining things. So your ability to perceive and understand. This is your reasonable service, he's saying, according to logic, your ability to perceive and understand, according to your feelings, your ability to judge and determine things. This is your reasonable service. So in other words, simply put, God is not telling you to do anything that you don't understand. Right? Because how many times we made that excuse, God, I don't understand. I don't understand how I'm supposed to do this. And if it's not, I don't understand how I'm supposed to do this. I don't understand what you mean, God. Now, on the surface, because God speaks in less, on the surface, logically, you understand what God is saying to a certain degree. 
But when I talked about engaging as I started off, I'm talking about to get the deeper understanding of what God is actually saying. But on surface, for example, on surface, Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning was uh, uh, God created the heavens and the earth, right? On the surface, I understand that. But I understand there was a deeper truth to that. Meaning, as I begin to engage God, God reveals, revelation is what? The revealed truth. He brings about the revelation, the deeper truth or the deeper understanding of what I just read or what He just spoke to me. So, understand what God is saying. And if you fail to understand it on a deeper level, again, that's no one's fault but yours. Did you know what I found out? Most of us are lazy Christians, and we don't want nobody to say that. You're lazy. Because if there is a lack of discipline in your life, it speaks to you either just being just lazy or just rebellious. No. I, I, I just be like, hmm, this is not really a good choice, God. If I don't have discipline, I'm either lazy or I'm rebellious. I'm not going to go with rebellious. See, it's easy for me to say, well, well God, I, I can be lazy some days. Rebellious, I'm not. <laughs> uh, if he's giving me a choice, rebellious, I'm not. Lazy, I can be some days. Rebellious, no. See, that's my truth. But the truth of the matter is some days I am rebellious. I'm lazy and I'm rebellious. You know, God was dealing with me about something. And you want other people to be the reason why things are not done. You want other people to be the excuse. It's like they're not the reason. They only know what I told you because you decided to tell them what I told you. What I told you is between you and I. I know whether or not you're going to do it. They're not the reason you have not done it. See, I'm just talking about me. When you don't want to be the reason why stuff is not fulfilled. You're the reason why his word has not come to pass. It's you. See, we can look at situations and, 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 and the so-called opposition that comes our way, but notice, for everything that God has allowed to come your way, it's not that God doesn't know it's not going to come your way. He does. And the thing is, you know what to do when stuff come your way. But again, most of us are easy. We're just either lazy, I don't want to do this again, I'm tired of doing this, God, or you're just rebellious. I'm just trying to be delivered. I'm just trying to have a delivered mindset. He says, this is my reasonable service. And he says, what? And be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't do what other people do. And in the body of Christ, the body of Christ has the bad habit of doing this. If they see the majority of the body doing it, then they automatically believe this is God. Oh, don't let Bishop Jakes do it. Oh, it got to be God. Don't let Pastor Furtick do it. Oh, it has to be God. 
Nobody going to say amen right there. Because I know them your favorite speakers. <laughs> I, I know them your favorite speakers that you got a pastor. <laughs> oh, yeah, I said, I know them your favorite speakers and you got a pastor. You, 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 nobody got the wrath of you to want to give the soul to Bishop Jakes or Pastor Ferdinand. Nobody got the wrath of you, but we say so here. You just believe it's, I know God gave that to him. I'm going to tell you, Bishop Jakes is just an intelligent man. He reads. You can look at it based upon his vocabulary. But where is the proof? How do you know he's a man of God? How do you know Pastor Furtick is the man of God? He's starting to read too. One of his, one of his idols, one of his idols or his role models or mentors is that of Bishop Jakes. He is. He's reading too. Now, I'm not putting my mouth on it. I'm trying to get you to look at something in a different manner. Because we'll look at the numbers that are there. But every time I check, they praising to get you excited. If what I'm saying is good for you, why is it not good for me? Which we've been taught, listen, if I, if, listen, the pastor's always taught to listen, I won't sit under nobody that's trying to get me excited, but what's so, so supposed to be so good come out of their mouth, and they're talking about God, but they don't have a praise? I don't see them worship. I, I mean, I know you got to get to your three points. But you mean to tell me God never comes in in the middle of your three points and just stop your three points? I know he does that here. Sometimes we won't even get to open up the Bible. So he never interrupts your three points. I don't know what everybody else does is what he's saying. He said, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your of your mind, right? The renewing in the Greek is talking about by the renovation of your mind. Yes, uh, God is trying to demo some of your old mindsets. It's just like when somebody is rehabbing a house. Y'all know most of y'all are HD fanatics. That's my channel right there. I got to watch it. You watch how they rehab and demo stuff, Chip and Joanna Gaines, all of that stuff. You love it. Property Brothers, you love it. And before they get to that beautiful, you know, at the end of the show, where everything is immaculate, everything is just gorgeous. Before they got there, they probably ran into some mold, Mildew, some busted sewer pipes, termites, insects, dead rats in the attic, all kinds of stuff that they probably ran into. Crack foundation. You know, y'all know some HGTV right here. Crack foundation. And, and guess what? That's if this body is supposed to be a temple denoting house, then guess what? Some of our foundations have been cracked. 
Some of the cracks need to be repaired. Some of y'all got sagging ceilings. <laughs> uh, since we're talking about the mind, water damage. Water is often likened to spirit in the Bible, and so depending on what spirit you've allowed to entertain your mind, some of y'all got water damage. Because believe you me, everybody that comes to church that claims to be a Christian, some believers right here in this house still listen to secular music. Water damage. Because the Bible says words are spirit. Jesus said words are spirit in their life. So whatever conversation, whatever words you're entertaining yourself with, and there I say even TV shows. Empire was my joint. I couldn't get past, I don't even know what season. I said, I can't watch this. Oh, I, got, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I know Terrence Howard got his issues now. I'm talking about how he was dressed, and I was like, this boy want me to, this boy about to make me go put on a suit. Y'all know how I'm not a suit person like that. I said, Lord, I'm about to go get me a suit and put on an ascot. I'm about to do this thing. Oh, yeah. Get an ascot and all that, and I'm about to do this thing. But see, some of y'all, your show is you love power. My wife tried to watch the very first episode. I said, Risha, I, no ma'am, I can't watch that. The very first episode, they ain't even wait to get in the sex scenes. And now you understand, there were some soft sex scenes in movies. This was, I said, Risha, I cannot watch this. I said, now you can sit and play with this in your spirit. I said, but I'm telling you, go on your job and act a fool. The church will be bailing me out of church or uh, uh, jail. You play with me. No, some stuff you, you, you know, you already know. There is something that be taking place in your spirit that you want to downplay or ignore. Water damage. So then guess what? When water damage becomes, we start questioning everything. Hence the saggy root. Your top fixture is no longer firm. Meaning the foundations of your mind are no longer firm on what you believe. You question stuff now. That's why you find yourself searching to hear this preacher, to hear this preacher, because you're looking for something to be said. That's all. They ain't, they ain't talking. I forget the rapper name. They ain't talking about nothing. The Cray. They ain't talking about nothing. I said, and I ain't going to take it back because most of them not talking about nothing. But because we have an itching ear to hear something, notice we don't have an itching ear to hear truth. Because it's the truth that you know that does what? Make you free. And we are talking about deliverance, being saved from something dangerous or unpleasant. And a lot of times God has to save you from yourself. I can't tell you how many times God had to save me from me. I say, God, you ought to be tired of saving me from me. Jesus Christ. He said, but do this 
but be you transformed by the renewing, by the renovation of your mind. You got to go in and tear down some walls that you have built up in your mind. For those of you that did with isolation, it started in your mind. You built up walls in your mind, walled yourself off in your mind. Just me and God. Now you, now you rolling with that same lie, Vicky Wine, talking about as long as I got King Jesus, lie. That's a lie. Because God the Father don't just have King Jesus, he got the, he got the Son and the Spirit. I'm, just, I'm like, if, when you had a husband that wasn't, you, you weren't singing now. And if, and if, if as, as long as you got King Jesus, then, then give back all the money for the people that bought your CD. Because you need the people to buy your CD. You see how that's a lie? Not as long as I got King Jesus. Stop. Stop. This, this thing is about relationship. It's not just about relationship with God, but it's about relationship with God, and it's about relationship with your fellow man. So that's a lie to my as long as I got King Jesus. John tell him, he said, listen, you're a liar. If you talking about you just love God and you don't love your brother. So that's a lie. As long as you got King Jesus, you don't need nobody else. Then who going to pray the prayer of deliverance for you because you need to be delivered from a lying spirit? Then the Bible says, how can they hear except a preacher be sent? You need a preacher. Right? And because it sounds good, it got the right beat to it, we'll be like, Shah, that's my new testimony. I don't need nobody else as long as I got King Jesus. You need to be delivered right with her. Some of these thoughts that we have built up in our mind, they're just traditional sayings or religious sayings that we've experienced over time. And guess what? It's causing your foundation to crack. Because guess what? As, as each one of us gets older, there are distinct things about you that will never change, meaning like your fingerprints never change. But guess what? As I'm getting older, every now and then I see a gray hair trying to come and I quickly go get the tweezers and, ah, you're out of here, buddy. <laughs> you're out of here. <laughs> I'm not ready for the salt and pepper yet. <laughs> you're out of here. You're out of here. No. I can be wise without gray. Now, unless he decides to just put a patch right here that I can't do anything about because I'm not about to go shade that off. You got me, Jesus. You got me. But as long as he keep letting her pop up one at a time, ah, you out of here, buddy. I almost had an argument with Rain the other day. Rain was like, Daddy, you got, you got a gray in your goatee. I was like, Rain, you a lie. Stop lying. You, you're lying, sir. So you know, I, you know I ran and looked, right? I was, I was looking. And I was like, man, that's the light. That's how the light hit me. But it wasn't until later that day I saw it. I said, I had to go back and say, Rain, I apologize. You were right. Got a grand. I said, but you out of here, sucker. 
Oh, no, you're not about to stay. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm going to tell you why. Because Massey, Massey, now I don't know if Massey lying, but a lie felt good if it's a lie. Massey said, Daddy, when you be walking in the class, some of my friends thought you was my brother. I said, that's it right there, Jesus. That's it right there. Oh. They thought I was her brother. That's it right there, Jesus. That's it. Mm. I, still, I still don't look over 16. <laughs> See, those are foundations that I need to tear down in my mind. Because <laughs> my body show feel over 16. And it's starting to look over 16. In certain spaces, I said, mm, you got to tighten that. I got to hit a couple sit-up crunches right there. Jeez. Be transformed by the renewing. Renovating our minds. So there is going to be some demo. And demo is not pretty. Guess what? Everything is, you got all kind of trash until we start taking the trash out and put it in this proper place, in this place of disposal, where we dispose of it. Demo is loud. Haven't you noticed? You saw the shows. It's, it's loud. And the truth be told, it's dangerous. You can actually get hurt doing demo. If you don't understand how certain structures are put together, you can go in with your zeal like, oh, I love this. I love being destructive. And hit something, and something can come right back and hit you. Not being conscious that when you take all of these different, uh, 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 what do you call it? This, yeah, the, the, the what'd you say? Not the collar, man. What is the wood thing, man, behind the wall that we trying to put the, put the nail? Studs, man. Oh, y'all HGTVers, man, y'all got the, right. I'm putting the ER on everything, ERS on everything. All y'all HGTV, TVers. You forget the stud. But if you're not careful, if you take studs out, guess what? There are nails. And if you don't have on the proper shoes for them, like you can't go in that demo on no converse. Because a nail can end up in your foot. Then now you got to go get a tech shot, all these different things. So demo is good, but if, it, if, you're not, if it's not something that you regularly do, you can get hurt. And you know what I found now? See, most of us, we get hurt when we go in trying to renovate our minds, having to deal with certain memories. I got to tear down this memory of rejection. It hurts. I got to tear down this memory of when I was touched and when I was molested and when I was taken advantage of, and it hurts. It's, the, it's like the equivalent of you was trying to pull down that cabinet that was stuck, and then when you, huh? And that joint just came down and hit you in the head. Like that. But he said, guess what? You're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? And what is transformed? To be changed into another form. Your mind has to turn into another form. In other words, the way you previously thought has to change. In order to be successful in this Christian life, your thought process must change. And notice what the scripture said. By the renewing in ING, this is something that is going to 
Because though a house is renovated, guess what? There's still certain things that has to be done. Ask Mike and Renisha. They just recently purchased the house, right? But guess what? As they have visitors come over, guess what? Visitors are not going to be mindful of things, how they're mindful of things. And guess what? They're going to get little black scuff marks here and there. So guess what? In order to keep it the way I want to look, I'm going to have to go get me a magic eraser and go behind them and just... I think they OCD too. What is that? That's, that's, that's what? I'm renovating. I'm, I'm, there's, in order to keep this up, there were certain things that I'm going to have to do. Every day, there's something that I'm going to have to do. If I want to maintain the value in this place, because if I don't do what is necessary, then guess what? My, 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 my value of who I am, my self-worth tends to start going down. That's why you start compromising, and that's why you start settling, and that's why you allow people to start handling you any kind of way. Because guess what? You've allowed your self-worth to go down because you failed to properly take care of what needed to be taken care of here. You were having a bad hair day. Now it just seems to be okay. You know what? I don't like my hair. Well, for one bad hair day? And don't let somebody make a comment about your body. Because we're in a culture that is so programmed by lights We're in a culture that is so programmed by likes now. I got to have likes. So we're posting anything because I'm so desperate for a like. So don't let someone happen to say something about your body. Now you've embraced it and you believe what it is that they say. But this is my question. What if what they said was actually the truth? then what it then shows us is you have an issue with the truth. It's not even that your issue is with the person who said it. You have an issue with the truth. My kids are looking at me at the back and they're laughing, right? Because I already know what they're thinking without them even saying it. Because there's this ongoing debate about my six-pack. <laughs> Right? Like last night, there was this ongoing debate whether or not I, I'm, I am, uh, what was the word? What did you? Athletic. There was an ongoing debate last night whether or not I was athletic. Right? I just, you know, I just do stuff. I just, I just do stuff. <laughs> For no reason, I'll just get up and do stuff. I wasn't seeking attention. When I go back and examine it in my head, it was because of what we were talking about, me being athletic. So the thing that I did, I just got up. I just got up, quickly got up. And I just went to just, <laughs> not even doing a full jumping jack, just, <laughs> right? <laughs> just going in, right? I did about 50, just, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
I got to give you the sound effects, right? So my wife, she's trying to get ready for work and spend a little time with the children, right? She's like, Lincoln, you need to sit down and stop because you're not even athletic anymore. Never you allow. Right? You allow. So that you need to exercise. How you know I don't exercise? I do exercise. Sometimes. That's what I said. So me, she doesn't stop. She's she cooking and doing whatever she's doing. I'm still going on and on. You know what? You, you know what? If both of my shoulders, my rotator cuff, so you know I got to get, if both of my shoulders wouldn't hurt right now, you put me on a nine foot go. I can't dunk a ten foot anymore. But put me on a nine foot, I'll dunk on you, Russia. Dunk all the way on you. Yeah, yeah, put me on a nine foot go. I can't dunk on a ten foot go, but give me nine feet. So, see, here I am imitating my kids what I would do. I'd be like, I'd do like this. I'd be like, ah, 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 ah. Uh, dunk backwards on you. <laughs> so, I'm just, I'm just going in. So, you know, she's just looking like, I don't, I don't even understand. You shouldn't have started with me. Tell me I'm not athletic. So, you see the thought that she gave me? Kept me going on and on and on. The truth of the matter is, it's true. <laughs> so it's not that I had a problem with my wife. I really had a problem with the truth. Lincoln, you're not athletic anymore. Don't you remember the last time y'all played full court basketball after the first game? You went and laid off on the side of the floor. You thought you were dying. You was over that joint like... <sighs> You were out of shape. Then I knew it was a problem when Josiah outjumped me for the rebound, and I'm looking up at him, and his hand is over me. I said, oh, something is wrong. I was never used to somebody just outjumping me like that. Here, Josiah, he's younger than me. And I'm telling you, muscle memory, muscle memory. There's this real thing is muscle memory. I jumped, and it felt like I jumped my highest, which only felt like I got about this high off the ground, though. I'm looking up like, all I see is his hand just like, I said, what in the, in my mind, before my feet hit the ground, I just like, what in the world? I turn around, it's Josiah. I wanted to be mad, but the truth of the matter Lincoln, you're not as athletic as you once were. Notice. That's why you've even changed your praise dance. <laughs> huh? Who? You got, listen, I'm like the football. In football, basketball, sports, you have to make adjustments. I have to make adjustments to my praise dance. My 21-year-old dance, I can't do that at 41. Oh, no, it, it takes too much. And, 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 and what I found out, them hard bottoms in this hard floor, that, ah, ah, mm-mm. All that, all that coming back up my lip. Oh, no, it's, I said, I got the truth. <laughs> I said, I said, Pastor Chester, it was on to something. <laughs> oh, yes, Pastor Chester, it was on to something. You know, because one time he came to me, he was like, he was like, 
y'all dance take too much energy. And I never thought about it. But you notice after one good strong minute of praise, you know how we just get high. After one strong minute, I would have to turn my back while I'd be on the stage like, oh, like, oh. I was really trying to catch my breath. Like, oh, they can't see that I'm weak with my praise right now. But then my pastor just, he was like, listen, man, y'all praise take too much energy. He's like, man, you got to just badly lift them up. I was like, I said, but the reason I don't do this is because all y'all praise look the same. I don't want my praise to look like everybody else's praise. But you know what? I have to make them adjustments. Come here, Chelsea. <laughs> I'm going to do it how you do it. Y'all say what y'all want to say. Being renewed in your mind. Having your mind renovated. Having your mind renovated. And I'm going to get through it. Listen, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When your mind is renewed, when your mind is renovated, then it becomes where you're able to prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Because guess what? The thing that fights God is your mind. The Bible tells us Paul, t Paul is the same one who writes about how your mind, a carnal mind, it is an enmity against God. It is your mind that opposes God. It's not, it's not your arms and hands and feet. It is your mind that is opposing God. Your mind is the real enemy of God. And Paul, the same one who's writing about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, he's the same one that lets us understand it is your mind that is the actual enemy of God. So if you're going to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, then your mind must be renewed. It must be renovated on the inside, changed, transformed, turned into another form. You must think differently. You must perceive differently. Even when it talks about the faculties of your mind, perceiving, understanding, as well as your feelings, judging and being able to determine things, all of these must change. Because we, we, we talk about it a lot here. Perceptions are off. A person's perception is their reality. Just because it's real to you doesn't mean it's the truth. We're not negating your feelings. But how many times your feelings, let's be real, your feelings will get you in trouble someday. Some things were really not what I thought they were, but because I got so emotionally involved in it, I caused things to escalate. You know, as a parent, something goes wrong with your children. You don't even hear the part about what your child did. They shouldn't have did that to my child. Did you hear the part where we said about what your child did? I don't care. What? What are you talking? We just told you your child hit first. Your child started it. I don't care if they started it. Your child shouldn't hit my child. My child only hits your child because your child hit my child first. Well, see, most of us, we can't think that or believe that about our little Bobbies and little Amys. But I don't play. I ask them, what, did, what tell me what mine did? And then I ask my child, is that what you did? Did you do that? Because I'm going to ask mine in front of them. I know what they're saying, but you tell me what did you do. 
And I'm going to discern you and them. He said, give me my last scripture. He said, what? Jesus. He said, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. We understand your thinking takes place where? In the mind. So the issue is what? Most of us tend to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Some of you, you think you deserve it. Whatever it is that you think you deserve. For example, I, I should have been dealt a better hand in life. That's what you think. If I were to ask you why you think that, logically, can you even back up why you think what you think? Logically, can you even prove why what you think is actually right? Can you? Yeah, most of us would try. We would have a good argument. And that's all it is. It's an argument. It's a debate. So I know, I'm just honest to say it, I'm a debater. But guess what? Everybody in this room is a debater. To a certain extent, everybody in this room is a debater. You are and a debater. Because guess what? You think of yourself more harder than you ought to think. He said, but you're supposed to think soberly with soundness of mind. Be honest with yourself. How much do you operate in a sound mind? It is something that I've learned to incorporate in my daily prayer. Father, I pray that we will operate in soundness of mind. So I understand James talks about a double mind. God goes out of his way to tell us he has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and that of a sound mind. But the truth be told, we can abuse the sound mind. We can mishandle or we can negate, negate the sound mind. Some of us want to be confused about some stuff. No, it's the truth. Because if I'm confused and I ain't got to do, what you asking me to do? What you expect of me, I don't have to fulfill because I'm confused. My confusion allows me to continue to operate with an excuse. When the whole wild truth comes to do what? Snatch your excuse from you. Because truth comes to challenge you. So it challenges all of your excuses. And when God takes away your excuses, then guess what? We're left with sin. One or two things. I'm either lazy or I'm rebellious. Right, or just simply put, my thinking is jacked all up. My perception is so off. I mean, who today, in today's age, who's just going to say, hey, man, I think something is not right up here. <laughs> Nobody wants to think of themselves as being crazy.
yet, how many, let me, let's see something. How many of you struggle with lying? Everybody in the room should be raising their hand. Everybody in the room should be raising their hand. All right? So if you didn't voluntarily raise your hand, then you raise your hand because I said something still. You're in agreement that you struggle with lying, right? If you struggle with lying, I want to suggest something to you. You also struggle with lunacy. Oh, yes. I'm telling you what I know. You struggle with thinking because the fact that you got to keep remembering the first lie you told, the grander the lies become, who I told what lie to and what lie I actually told to who, You, I'm telling you, you struggle with the spirit of lunacy. Because after you caught in the lie and the lie is over, you ever find yourself saying, well, damn, if I would have said this, if I would have did this right here, I wouldn't have got caught. That's a lunatic spirit. After you've been exposed and you figured, you're trying to go back in your mind and replay to figure out how not to get caught, that's a lunatic spirit that you're dealing with. So if it's not a matter of you being lazy or you being rebellious, it's just plain or you, listen, I know you don't want to say it. You just off up here some days. Think about it. When somebody has asked you, why did you do that? And your response was, I don't know why I did that. Because at first I didn't believe it. But then God said, mm-mm, mm-mm. There is a truth to this. Some people don't even understand. They don't know why they did certain things. Why? Because the demonic force has brought forth its personality and pushed their human personality to the side. They didn't even realize that they were doing it. I used to get so mad when Renisha would be like, Renisha, why did you do that? I don't know. Stop lying! Sit here lying. I'd be like, you sitting, just sit here lying in my face. You don't know what you did. It was with Renisha that the Lord said, stop it. Because there's a truth. She, she wasn't even aware what she was doing when she did it. I'm like, God, that's a lie. How you not be aware what you're doing? When he began to break it down, I understood. I did. I wanted to punch you in your square to your forehead. Right in the, just, just right here. So, but most of us, that has been your response. When someone is asked, why did you do that? I don't know why I did that. Why did you say that? I don't know. Another, another thing that should let you know how lunacy is up on your head or lunatic or craziness is up on your head. When you can't remember stuff, we can blame it on migraines all you want to. Child, stop. Before you had migraine and before you smoked weed, you still couldn't remember like that. This is another sign to let you know you struggle with lunacy. You can't hardly remember crap. So it's no wonder that your forgetfulness causes you to become rebellious in relation to God, what God spoke to you. I forgot God told me to do that. I'm talking about some stuff you wrote down God told you to do and you still forgot. With your note, you forgot? Because guess what? Most of us give ourselves credit, too much credit. I got it. I got it. See, that'd be me. I'd be like, Lincoln, you got, you understand what I'm saying? Rich up. 
I'm insulting my intelligence. I got it the first time. I can't understand what you said. I understood exactly what you said. Then when you bring the finished product, you're missing something. Well, did you do? You didn't say that. <laughs> right? Right? That's the first thing. Well, did you do? Rich, you did not say that. Oh, see, she done got me. She said, Linka, well, did you read your text? Yeah, I read the text. Rich, you didn't say that. When I go back and slowly read the text, you know what? <laughs> I don't know how I missed that. I, I, I don't know how I missed that. The devil, the devil. I, you know what? That devil, when I touched that iPhone, got in my phone. That devil tried to transfer to my phone when I touched that iPhone. That's me. I don't respond to the text. And she's like, well, Lincoln, did you read the text? Yeah, I read the text. And the truth be told, some days I be trying to read text messages while I'm on the phone with other folk. Done overlook stuff. And she's like, well, did you read? Rich, I told you I read the text. You couldn't have read it. You couldn't have read it because you would have saw that. Rich, you did not, you did not say it. I be swearing up. And, you did not say that. I go back and pull the text up. Man, listen. Rain must have opened my phone and was messing with my text messages then. I don't even know. I was supposed to think soberly with a sound mind according as God have dealt to every man the measure of faith. So what he's saying? Your faith will help you think right. Faith help brings understanding. Faith helps you operate in soundness of mind. So this is, this is all the more why it's important, because the Bible tells us what so then faith comes by the hearing. And hearing by the word of God, right? So this is all the more why you should be listening to word. It builds your faith, what helps you operate in soundness of mind, what helps your understanding. So now, I want to give you a little, because y'all know how I roll. <laughs> I'm very methodical in what I do. If you're given an instruction and you can tell me, you, now I get there's some things you're not going to understand. Some stuff you're just not going to understand. But if I give you the most simplest instruction, and you're talking about you don't understand, after we brought clarity and I asked you, well, do you understand what I'm asking you? And you tell me, well, yeah, you're asking, or you're looking for me to do this right here. It's going to tell me that you have no faith, which is going to point to you haven't been in your word. Well, I thought you said, see, double-mindedness is not sound-mindedness, which denotes, okay, you have, you're thinking soberly because faith helps you, which comes from being in your word. So if you're at the place where you're questioning everything, walking heavy right over this way. You questioning everything? It's a good indication that you have not been in your word like that. And your faith has not increased and you're not actually utilizing your faith which helps you understand. So even as it pertains to the word of God, if you fail to understand the word of God in its totality, it is because your faith is low. 
Because even when God speaks and I don't understand it on the first level, I have enough faith that when I go and engage God, God is going to give me understanding. So, deliverance, he's talking about your mindset. You have to have the right mind. So, you got to pray and ask God to deliver you from some of these religious and traditional mindsets. Stuff that we thought were right, but later on God showed us, nah, I'll let you ride right there for a second. But now I'm bringing correction because you're mature enough to handle it. You've got to have the right mindset, amen? Come on, put your hands together for the Word in Jesus' name.